Um, if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn uh, to that, Matthew 28. And to look at some pointers in this uh, chapter um, as we get ready to start a new series uh, called Discipleship Explored. And you'll see uh, the link in a few moments. Matthew chapter 28. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away uh, while he, we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, obey, to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, here's the question. What gets you excited? Something that excites you. So much so that you enjoy telling others about it. It might be a team you support. Um, if you support Manchester City, uh, that is. Um, not too sure what's going to happen this afternoon, but we're not holding out great hopes. But, um, but you know, if you support a team passionately, um, then you do talk about this to others. I, I, a lot of the grave diggers um, are Manchester United supporters. I don't know if there's a link there. Um, so, you know, if, if I'm doing a funeral and um, I'll always have a quick chat with the grave diggers and, um, you know, we just catch up with, uh, you know, what's happening, you do that, don't you? Maybe it's a piece of music which you love. And you just love talking about, have you heard this? Maybe it's a program you watch. And um, um, Lydia um, got fixated on Lion Guard, which is an animated um, cartoon. And basically, um, for a number of months, all she talked about was Lion Guard, and, and she kind of enacted Lion Guard as well. So you do this, don't you? Um, maybe it's, it's something you enjoy doing, something you're 
involved in a person you know. Okay, one of my favorite pieces of music is Mahler, Symphony Number no. 3. Now, I first heard it in July 1979, and then by the BBC Symphony Orchestra, and then I heard it again in August at the Edinburgh Festival, again played by the um, BBC Symphony Orchestra, and when I heard it, it just blew my mind. It is the most wonderful piece of music you'll ever hear. Mahler described uh, this, he said, a symphony must be like the world, it must contain everything, and this contains everything. It lasts for nearly one hour, 50 minutes without a break. Um, so, you know, don't have a pint of bitter beforehand. Um, anyway, never mind. Um, now, listen, you might pick up on my enthusiasm. So, okay, go along with me here. I, may, I might make you enthusiastic about Mahler chapter 3, so much so that you start to go and tell others about this incredible piece of music, Mahler Symphony Number no. 3. And you tell them what you know about the music. You'll enthuse about its history, uh, its structure, the way it's written. You tell others how people have responded to it, its themes, how it's enriched people's lives. You might become an enthusiastic fan for Mahler 3. But what's missing? Something very obvious missing here. You see, without hearing the music yourself, without seeing the team, without going to the event, without doing the activity, without knowing the person, there is a limit to how long you're going to be enthusiastic for. I think that's true, isn't it? What's missing? You need to hear the music. Not third hand or second hand, but first hand. And then you make your own decision, don't you? Kate, by the way, hates Marla um, with a passion. So, hey, it's not everybody, is it? On Easter Day, I asked this question. Why did Christianity, why did this Jesus revolution grow, develop, and spread the way it did? Why was that? Especially realizing that many of the early followers um, pay the ultimate price for following him. Matthew 28 actually points us um, and, and helps to answer some of that question. Two words, come, go, come, go. Here's the first point. Come and see. Matthew 28, verses 5 and 6. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come, see the place where he lay. Now, it's quite interesting here. The, the angel invites them to look. He doesn't just say, trust me. He says, come and see. Come and see. He's not here. He's risen. Come and see. Look. Look for yourselves. Empty tomb. He's risen. And, and he is risen is linked to the come and see. Don't just believe it. Come and see. And, and it's quite interesting, isn't it, that this angelic being presents these women with evidence for the mind, with data to look at. Blind faith is a very dangerous thing. Christianity is never blind faith. There is a step of faith, but it's faith based on reasonable data. And the resurrection um, points to Christianity as a reasonable faith. This is a reasonable thing to believe, even though it basically remakes the way we see the whole of the universe. And it's that 
evidence. It's that data which calls me to make a decision based on information and data. You, you've, you've heard me say before, I cannot truly love what I do not truly know. And the women were called to make a decision based upon something that had happened and based upon the data before their eyes. And in the same way, my faith in Christ is rooted in who He is and what He has done. It is rooted in a knowledge of who He is and a knowledge of what He's done. By the way, that's how all relationships work and grow, really. All relationships work and grow like that, which is why I still love, you know, the, the older I get, the grumpier, no. Um, sometimes, you know, you look to the past, and in the olden days, the olden days, and I'm, I'm now going to have to put myself in that category, people used to do, people used to date, remember that, dating. And, and, you know, you, you used to kind of date people. You used to get to know them first. That's true, that, isn't it? Before you jumped into bed with someone, okay, you used to get to know them first. And maybe there's, is there a lot of wisdom there? And, and in many ways, it, it is good, isn't it, to, if, if you're going to spend the rest of your life with someone, maybe it would make sense, it would seem to me, to, to at least walked through a couple of years getting to know them before you make a final commitment. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because you cannot truly love what you do not truly know. The women were called to make a decision. And, and then it's quite interesting, verse 7, the response to this, verse 7, go and tell. Go and tell. And that go and tell was the result of come and see. By the way, it's interesting, isn't it? Go quickly. <laughs> it, it, in, in many ways, it, it, this, this information, this data was so important that it caused a decision to be made which was ur earnest and urgent. Go quickly. Verse 8, they departed quickly. And verse 8, and they ran. You get the idea. But all of that, they're going and telling was a result of coming and see. Can you see the, the link? Come and see, and then go and tell. A and the fact that they, they went with urgency, they went quickly with enthusiasm, was a, was a response of the come and see. They were presented with data, and it raised their pulse levels, and it raised their speed. And, and as I said a couple of weeks back, the fact that the gospel writers lead with the women both authenticates the gospel as eyewitness accounts. By the way, in universities now, there's a completely new appreciation in the academies um, of the gospels as eyewitness accounts. It's amazing how things go in fashion. There was a phase um, for many years where people discounted the gospels as fabrications um, made up by the early church. But now, scholarship basically is affirming that these are eyewitness accounts, and, and this authenticates that. Uh, and and uh, you've heard me say, because you would never, never have, have, have led with the women if this didn't happen. It, it caused more problems, this, for the early church um, th than it did provide answers. But it authenticates the Gospels. This is what happened, and, and, and these were the eyewitness accounts. 
But it doesn't stop there, because something else happens. Verse 9, come and meet. Behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. I love this. I just, just get this. Okay. So, here we have an event. The, these women, these women who had seen Jesus die, they were clear about that. They, see, they saw where they laid his body. They were not expecting this. So this is something, again, which remakes the way you look at the universe. And Jesus stands before them, and you think, what is he going to say? You just... What does he say? Hi. Isn't that amazing? Have you? Hi. Greetings. Hello. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's staggering, is it, when you think about this? What's happened? And he, he kind of appears to this woman just said, hi. There, there's something wonderfully ordinary about this. And you kind of think that maybe he greeted them in the same way he normally greeted them. Them. And that was the point. Hi. You see, Matthew and the whole, all the gospel writers make it clear this is not a hallucination. This is not a vision. This is a physical resurrection. And it's quite interesting. Um, verse 9, they worshipped him. Then it goes on in verse 17, the, the disciples worshipped him. It's, it's quite interesting. Even here, Jesus accepts this worship and accepts their acknowledgement now of their understanding who this is. This is, this is God Himself. This is Yahweh. This is the Lord, and they worshipped Him. Come and meet. And Jesus's response, verse ten. Then Jesus said to them, "Do not be afraid. Go and tell. Go and tell." Again, it's not second hand. It's first hand. Come and meet, go and tell. And what led this pe these people to go round the world? What led these people to completely upend their lives and, and start to, to, to look at the universe in a completely different way, saying, Jesus is risen, you can know him. What, what led to that? Come and meet. Come and meet, come and see, come and meet. This was first hand. Go and tell. You see, the go and tell only happened with that speed and urgency because come and meet. They met him. They knew him. This leads, leads to the third one. Come and know. Come and know. Verse 17. Um, when they, that's the disciples, saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations go. But it's quite interesting, that last verse, verse 20, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He calls us to know him. And of course, that actually includes us, because this is post-ascension too. Come and know. Come and know. Come and see. Come and meet. Come and know that by the Holy Spirit, we live in this time where Jesus promises, I'm with you always to the end of the age, and we can know him now by the power of the Holy Spirit. First hand, it continues. We can continue to meet with him and know him. And that's the difference, isn't it? That's what 
That's what led um, these small, these, this small group of people to, to basically completely change the known world, a change which is continuing to this very day. And, and their response to this come and know was to go and make, verse 19, go and make disciples. That's the response, isn't it? You see, come and know me, and therefore go and make disciples. You know, we, we see Jesus, we meet Jesus, we know Jesus, we obey Jesus, we're empowered by Jesus. And this was and still is the story of the Jesus revolution. Started then, it's still continuing. Come and see, go and tell. Come and meet, go and tell. Come and know, go and make disciples. It's the most natural thing to do. Because they heard the music, they heard the music firsthand. That's the difference. Now, this next season, we're going to explore what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. And we're going to work through the book of Philippians. And we're going to use um, a, a course called Discipleship Explored. Here's the handbook, and I'll, I'll say something about that in a minute. And the heart of being a disciple is, is this come and see. You know, come and meet, come and know. Here's, here's an illustration, which actually the course gives. It's a brilliant illustration. We'll, we'll use this a few times. I want you to imagine looking at a woman, and she's dancing with grace and joy and perfect rhythm. And at first, you wonder how she's doing it, because you don't hear any music. You just see her dancing. But then as you get nearer, you notice that she's got some earbuds in. She's hearing the music. She's hearing the music she loves best in all the world, and it's moving her. And she's captivated and enthralled by this music. And it's almost as if she can't start, stop dancing. Now imagine a second person walking into the room, and she looks at the dancer and doesn't see the earbuds and thinks, wow, I want to dance like that. She can't hear any music herself, but tries to copy the moves anyway. It works for time, sort of but the movement is rather clunky and hesitant and self-conscious. And she doesn't seem to enjoy dancing the way the first dancer does. And before too long, she's exhausted, even though the first dancer is going strong. And sometimes people think that discipleship, being a disciple, is like that second dancer. You learn the right moves. You know, you read the Bible, you, you pray, you go to church, you share the gospel, you do stuff without actually hearing the music that drives it all. What, what was the music which drove these women and the disciples? Go and tell, go and make, because they came and saw. They came and met. They came and knew. They heard the music. That's what drove them. And this term, we're going to, as it were, turn up the music as we look at Philippians, Discipleship Explored. You know, lots of people know all the right moves, but never become genuine disciples. What we need is for our hearts to be captivated and enthralled by the surpassing love of Jesus Christ, turning up the music. And that's what we're going to do uh, as we uh, look at Philippians. And uh, um, there's going to, there is a, a workbook, so um, all the connect groups uh, will be be doing this, uh, and there is a really great workbook 
two pounds, we've got a hundred of these. And in the workbook, there are eight studies. There are videos which goes with these, and we'll put the videos on the church Facebook site as well. So actually, people can do these things um, individually if they want to as well. Um, and we'll be preaching through this, so there'll be stuff on Sunday, stuff midweek. As well as that, um, there are, for each week covering the eight weeks, there are Bible reading um, notes for every day so that you can really follow this through, all for two pounds. Thank you, Sue. Wow. So, um, um, I, I'm not too sure if Kate's going to be around because uh, she was up all night coughing. Um, so, um, anyway, I, I've got a, a box, so I'll transfer myself to the bookstall afterwards. And if you don't have the money, don't worry. Uh, Kate will worry, but I don't. Um, so, and if she's not here, the, the, you know, um, just take it and I, I'll trust you. Um, Kate, Kate won't trust you, but I will. Uh, so anyway, um, so it's a way of, of the whole church, and I think children are going to be doing this as well as the youth uh, too. So it's a way of turning up the music, isn't it? O of actually meeting and knowing um, the, the love of Jesus Christ uh, enthralling us, um, turning up the music. Uh, so... Uh, that's what we're going to be doing, and uh, we'll start properly, proper, properly next week, and then uh, Connect Groups will, will, I think, start using these as, as studies as well. So, any questions, see me.